Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips. He will score the tying run. In the third goes Rosarena. It's an 8-8 game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon. Welcome to our latest show. Today you'll get to know Matt Whistler and how he's evolved in Tampa Bay. Dave and Andy will join me to discuss the week gone by. Bowling Green's the first Rays affiliate in the postseason, so we'll chat with their manager, Jeff Smith. David Hess will join us to discuss the latest step in his cancer comeback, and we'll introduce you to Mia Salvamini in baseball operations. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our featured guest this week is reliever Matt Whistler. Matt, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Tell me what it's been like for you being in this organization and what you've liked most about being here. No, this is great. I mean, I've been around, you know, seven different teams now. This is a great landing spot for me. Obviously, not what I hoped for last year when it first happened, you know, getting DFA two months into signing a contract. But honestly, couldn't have picked a better place to land. And, you know, I've loved it ever since I've been here. There's a lot to like here. I mean, it's a great team. You know, guys get along really, really well. Um, it's a really close-knit group. You know, from the pitching side, obviously, I think it's it's a great spot to be for any pitcher in the game. I think a lot of guys want to get down here and, and see what we're doing. But, it's an easy philosophy down here. Snides is great. Stan's great. They keep it simple. And, you know, obviously we just attack the zone, and we are really good at what we do. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to go out there and, and play with these guys and watch these guys and, and just kind of go out about our how we go about our business. It's been really fun. Having been with different places, what's the biggest difference about what the Rays do here that you see, and, and why do you think it allows so many guys to succeed? I think it's a relaxed environment. I think, obviously, Snides is you know, obviously pretty even keel. I've, I've had some good pitching coaches across my, you know, my career so far, but obviously I think Snide is right up there with the best of them. And just the way he goes about his business, he's real low-key, obviously doesn't really stress a whole lot. He, he understands the game. He played the game. So he's he's been there. He's been in the big leagues. He knows, you know, it's not an easy game sometimes. And he's able to kind of calm guys down. You know, my, like myself, I can kind of get myself into a deep corner by, you know, overthinking some things. And he's kind of got a way of just calming guys down. And for me, especially calming my mind down just to go out there and, Get back to the basics, throwing strikes, getting ahead of hitters, and I think that's the big thing. It's just the philosophy they have here of literally just throwing strikes is the biggest thing that, you know, obviously it's it's simple, but it's it works, and I think we do it better than most teams. There also are a lot of guys who have been around the block a little bit. How much do you think that helps in being able to absorb different ideas, having been seen different ways of doing things? Yeah, I think a lot of guys, you know, on this team have been bounced around before. Some guys are a little bit older when they get up here and get debuts, and I think the Rays kind of find ways to unlock those guys that, you know, nobody else really saw the potential, and they, they come here and they unlock a pitch or two or, you know, they find something, they tweak something, like they change their repertoire, how much they use it and stuff like that. And they just have a really good system of getting guys here that they know have good stuff and they know that and they trust the stuff will play. And I think 
guys hearing that, being told kind of an idea and like, hey, if you do this, we think you're going to succeed. And guys are really, you know, here and they're later in their career sometimes and, and they adapt and they, they find ways to succeed and then they build a lot of level of confidence that comes from it and they just continue to trust it. And, and like I said, even if we go out there and we struggle once or twice, like the team doesn't lose faith in you. They know that if you go out there and do what you're supposed to do, throw strikes, you know, get ahead of guys and that eventually everything's going to even out. And I think that's just, it's a really calming thing here. And, and I think, like I said, it's a very relaxed clubhouse and, you know, it's great for a lot of guys. You mentioned adapting and you've yeah. adapted a lot in your career. You were a starter at one point. Yeah. When did you make that transition and who was most helpful to you or who were the guys most helpful to you in learning to get a routine down that's helped you? Yeah, I think uh, so 2018, 2017, 18, I was coming up and down as a starter reliever, making spot starts or coming up just to fill in the inning. I was a fill in the innings guy in 17, 18 with the Braves, you know, coming up. You know, able to go four innings or able to go one or two innings if I needed it. So it was on that option train, not really ideal, but kind of got a little bit used to it. 18, end of 18 is when I got fully trained or fully changed to a reliever uh, with the Reds. And then kind of just took 19 as a year to kind of adapt. Um, I'm really glad I got picked up by the San Diego in 19 again. Uh, one of the guys there I think helped me a lot with my body wise is Craig Stammen. I think the Reds had a pretty good system of doing small stuff every day, which helped me. And then 19, you know, getting to work with Stamen, who's a guy who's been a workhorse his whole career, kind of showed me how to take care of my body as a reliever. I think I've, I've done a lot of the same stuff that he was doing, You're trying to prepare myself every day to be able to pitch, uh, when to get treatment, when to work out, things like that. So trying to find ways to make sure that my body is in the best position to play every day and, and make sure that my arm can, you know, withstand a lot of workload. And I think a lot of it's just been, you know, obviously my slider usage has gone up every year in the last couple of years, and I think that's kind of getting to a point now where I really got to actually start to look at tapering that down a little bit because it's just gotten way out of control. But, you know, it's getting out there and, and taking care of yourself every day and making sure that you're ready. For me, it's been a learning process of how much I get off the mound, how little I get off the mound, when to do it, how my arm feels. Just a process every day, trying to learn yourself, learn your body, and, and continue to go up there and, and give the best results you can. So what's that routine like for you now? So for me, I mean, obviously I get off the mound you know, probably three to four times a week at least if I'm not pitching too much. Um, try and not overdo it, but sometimes, like, it's hard to get some work in as a reliever, and especially for me with a slider, you know, it's a pitch that you need to have feel on the mound. I don't like doing it on flat ground. I get bad, you know, bad mechanics doing that. So for me, I like to get off the mound more more so often and, and get a little bit standard. I do pretty much a standard day of catch every day. I get out to 150 and, and bring it back in without trying to waste too many bullets out there. And then if I pitch in the game, you know, I go inside, I do my arm care, and then I get treatment that night so that it starts the recovery process even earlier. And the slider you mentioned, I mean, you do throw it 90% of the time, but how many sliders do you really throw? Because there, you you do a lot of things with the shape and the movement of it. It's just a, it's the same grip for every slider. It's just a matter of where I'm trying to throw it, whether it's down and away to a righty, down and away to a lefty, up and away to a lefty, up and into a lefty. You know, obviously with a righty, there's a little bit, less you can do with it. I'm not going to throw a whole lot of front hip sliders on purpose. You know, here and there I might do it. And uh, Early in the count, I don't mind it as much because it can get a little bit of a flinch. But, um, you yeah, I'm just going out there and just trying to throw it as hard as I can for the most part, obviously trying to keep it in the zone. But just being aggressive with it, aggressive with the hand speed and just letting the natural movement and the natural differential and movement um, be the one that plays. Because when you can throw it to all four quadrants, it does act like you have more than one pitch. Yeah, it can act like different pitches, and obviously, you know, when I go down and, down and into a lefty, sometimes trying to go back foot, and I, uh, you know, get a little bit ahead of myself, and I spin it, you know, it might be up and away, which is still a very tough pitch to hit, but it's not exactly where I want it to go, but it, it plays really well, and it plays up, because it's not a place that guys see a whole lot of breaking balls, and 
same thing with righties. You know, I, I'm trying to throw in a certain area and then I miss in a certain area, but it's still a good pitch because I've thrown it with, you know, aggressiveness and, and um, you know, trying to be convicted behind it. And, and it still has the same shape, but in a spot that they're usually not used to seeing. When did that become your pitch? Because as a starter, you're probably throwing three or four different pitches. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back now, I, I definitely would have changed up my usage on it anyway back in the day. But it's uh, 2019, I got up to 70%, I think, during that year and I had some success with it. And then in, in 2020, you know, in the shortened season, it, I just, I could command that much more than my fastball. It seemed like that year, throwing so many sliders that it was hard to, to go back and forth with my fastball. And it's taken me a little bit of time to learn how to do both, throwing that many sliders and then still feeling good about a fastball. So. It's just kind of taking them, you know, a thing of its own. And last year, it got to the point, yeah, where it was just it was having so much success, especially when I got here, that I'm like, well, what do I really need to change for? So, as of course, obviously, as we continue to, you know, guys are now starting to do a better job this year, finally sitting on it. You know, I still have to make my adjustments and get them off of it and, and throw enough fastballs to get that in their mind. You know, give them that that little bit of doubt. When you're not playing and not at the field, what do you do to break away? Because it's very important, especially as a reliever, to have. Yeah. The memory, uh, you know, to be able to erase things and, and flush things, but also be able to get away from it. Yeah, I mean, obviously my wife, you know, I got married a couple years ago. She travels with me most cities because, you know, we don't have any kids and she works remotely. So she's just around with me. So we'll, you know, go walk the cities we're in or, you know, when we're in St. Pete, we live, you know, pretty close to the beach. So we'll go out there and, and get out there and have a beach day, maybe ride our bikes in the morning. You know, obviously there's some different things, like off days, stuff like that, try and do some stuff, grab dinner. You know, we saw a show when we were here, just trying to find stuff in different cities on off days or sometimes it's just kind of relaxing. I mean, we had some tough off days earlier this season where, you know, we got in super late and, and those are the days that I don't, I just sit around and kind of relax and just let my mind at ease for the day. Of the cities you travel to, is there one that you enjoy more than others? I mean, you grew up in Ohio and you've yeah. bounced around, as mentioned, to different organizations. Yeah, I've always liked, um, you know, when I go back to close to home and I get to see some friends and family is always nice, or any trip where I get to see, you know, a family member. But I always love coming to New York, um, the hustle and bustle and stuff. It's not anywhere I think that I'd want to live full time, but I've always enjoyed coming here, seeing a big city, you know, walking around. There's always so much to do. Obviously, going home to Anaheim where, you know, my offseason house is. So it's nice to have some different things close to home. But there's a lot of great cities that we play in, and, and we try and get out there and at least explore a little bit difference for you between beaches in California and beaches in in Florida? Uh, much hotter. <laughs> Water's definitely warmer out here and, and the waves are a little bit smaller than the Pacific but uh, no I mean I didn't grow up in California so like it's not too different but the beaches in Florida are great and uh, the ones in California a little bit more you know wavy but also the water's harder to get into because it's so cold. So does that mean you've picked up surfing or not <laughs> by your talk? No I definitely that'll be something if I ever want to do it that'll be post-career I think that's that's just going to lead to some sort of an injury because I don't have that coordination. Any other hobbies or types of things you do to keep the the mind fresh or things you enjoy and how'd you end up from Ohio to California? So we I, you know getting to California was I lived in Ohio for first I don't know 18 20 years and then I when I got traded to the Braves in 15 one of my best friends lived in Atlanta so I, I lived with him for a couple of years and then once I started seriously dating my now wife you know I got my own place in Atlanta so we could have some room of our own and then uh, you know we lived in Atlanta I think for two years while we were married and then we just figured we you know we want to be somewhat close to family eventually we'd like to try and have kids one day and uh, you know my family is my parents are snowbirds my brother and sister are both in different cities so California is where she's from and, and all her friends and stuff like that so we ended up out there and it'll be our off-season home for now obviously we're going to try and I don't unless I end up playing out there we'll just kind of bop around wherever I'm playing making that our residency for the year since we're there for so long and then uh, for me the hobbies and stuff I'm gonna I like to try and golf 
I do some reading in season. I think that kind of helps me kind of lose, you know, myself into a book or something like that. So I like reading, listen to music. You know, I usually make breakfast, stuff like that. I just kind of hang out. Yeah, we go on walks, sit on the beach, you know, kind of do some things just to kind of relax and ease my mind a little bit. What are you reading now? Anything of note? Not right now. I just finished a book, kind of about the uh, <laughs> Peter Schiff book that I, I read just on economics, stuff like that. Trying to prepare myself, I think, for what may happen from all the you know, inflation, stuff like that. Trying to better my mind, <laughs> get ready for that. But for the most part, I like reading um, typically non, typically it's fiction books, but like realistic fiction. I'm not really into the sci-fi fantasy stuff besides like Harry Potter, but I'll read, you know, Jack Reacher or uh, Mitch Rapp type books or murder mysteries. I really like the murder mystery stuff, something you can think along with. Last year, I read all the Da Vinci books. I was a huge fan of all those. So kind of just some stuff to keep my mind going, but also get me to think about some different things. And from a baseball standpoint, growing up in Bryan, Ohio, were you always wanting to be a baseball player? And when did the chance to become a pro, as you've been for several years now, become realistic? Yeah, obviously every kid has a dream, but obviously, you know, come from the small town. We had a couple guys in my area get drafted and things like that, but I never really anticipated that much. It was always just kind of a dream. And then uh, I would say it first started coming around, you know, my sophomore year of high school, I made some strides in my, my body. I grew a little bit, gained a little bit of weight, started, you know, throwing mid to up or not 80s in that year, which was hard for my area. And then my junior year, I think I kind of put myself on the map. I you know, had a really good year in high school, and then I went out on like the couple different showcases and got some scouts finally and um, you know threw really well in front of some scouts and that kind of was like the realization that I could actually maybe do this and then senior year I had, you know, had some interest early on struggled a little bit early in my senior year and then you know kind of came on long on, on strong later in the year and still had a couple teams interested and that was when we just decided to try and go for it. Well, obviously things have worked out and uh, you've made good strides here too. Congratulations on the year to date and hopefully it keeps going. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Matt Whistler joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons from Tropicana Field today. Rays and Pirates coming up in a little bit over an hour. Now joined by the guys who will call the action. Of course, that's Dave and Andy. Good afternoon, guys, and happy, I guess, Wander Franco return day. Well, you hope that he has the same kind of effect to this lineup in a way that you know, Nelson Cruz did when he came to the race last year. He helped guys in front of him, helped guys behind him. And if Wander hits, he will have that effect. And you can't help but think, uh, Dave and Neil, that the legs had something to do with him not swinging the bat so well uh, prior to the injury. So maybe what happened in Texas when it finally went on him, maybe that'll be a blessing in disguise. Uh, and he can come back healthy and start to help lead this offense again. Hey, you know, he, he's got so much trust in his ability to hit the baseball that I think sometimes – 
uh, during that stretch when he was uh, the lower half was bothering him that he wasn't able to drive a lot of things. He can make contact with it. And I think the other thing is, too, I'd like to see him maybe be a little more selective than, you know, being as confident as he is to be able to hit baseballs that are on the outside corner, inside corner, or whatever. But, uh, again, it's nice that the Rays have won a couple of games as he comes back. There's not a sense of desperation with this team. Hopefully uh-huh. he can just kind of slide into that number two spot where he's at uh, in today's game and uh, come up with a couple of big hits for us, play some solid defense over there at short, and get back into a rhythm of uh, playing every day at the big league level. Who do you think his return helps the most? Either because they, you know, maybe they're not overused, they're not overexposed, or maybe just helps them in the lineup. That's a great question. I don't, I don't know if I. I mean, I got to think it helps everybody, right? It, it should have. If he hits, it should because mm-hmm. it helps the guy in front of you. Uh, always, if they're thinking about Wander, if he's the guy, as we'd like to say, circled in purple for the other team, that's the guy that they really need to work around. And then if he gets on base, it helps the guys behind him have uh, more RBI situations. But uh, I, I, looking back, I think now we're starting to see a little bit of the worm turn for both Walls and Bruhan. They've been easy uh, punching bags here because both of them have struggled at the plate. But we're seeing Bruhan start to be a little bit more like the player he was uh, in the minor leagues. We're seeing Walls and his... Uh, ability to play defensively well every day and starting to hit the ball a little bit better from both sides of the plate. Maybe we'll look back uh, at some point this year and say, you know, the time Wander was out, it got those guys to, to, to play pretty much every day. So hopefully in the long term, it helps both Walls and Bruhan. I, I hope it helps Randy Rosarena. I think Randy, to me, has been the poster boy all season long of when he tries to do too much is when he gets himself into trouble, whether that's at the plate, which we've seen an awful lot, where when he goes up there trying to hit home runs, he uh, obviously doesn't. And then when he's on the base path, he's trying to maybe get that extra base all the time. And that invisible pill just hasn't been working as well for him here in 2022 as it might have worked in the previous couple of seasons. So I'm hoping that maybe with Wander back and uh, another offensive threat within this lineup, maybe a little pressure comes off Randy Rosarena. And we start to see Randy, who did have a big offensive day yesterday with, what, four hits, uh, start to get back to the kind of offensive threat that we need smack dab in the middle of this uh, Rays lineup until – you know, it was nice to see Brandon Lau back on the field today doing some baseball things, and mm-hmm. I guess he's going to swing the bat uh, tomorrow, so that's a step in the right direction. Kevin Kiermeyer was moving around today, so, you know, I, I think like we said, if we could just kind of tread water here, and we did for about the last 40 games, maybe we got to run it us for the last uh, 70, 80 games to, to get not only back into playoff contention or into a playoff spot, but maybe even, who knows, make a run at the Yankees. Certainly would be nice. One guy who it doesn't seem is bothered no matter what situation he's in right now is Isak Paredes. What has impressed you the most about this week and, and basically the way he's carried himself? Well, five home runs in one week has impressed me. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I saw that coming for the entire season. I mean, uh, you know, again, uh, but, but I think yesterday was a great example of what has impressed me. I mean, he took a page out of Harold Ramirez's book when he fell behind 0-2 and uh, kind of changed his approach. And, you know, was able, what, to shoot 98 miles an hour down the right field for the game-winning hit. So uh, he's on a run, and that's what you're going to have to do throughout a season is ride the coattails of certain guys who get hot. Right now he's one of those hot guys, so I was glad to see that he's back in the uh, in the lineup again today, even though he's in the lower third of the batting order. But, you know, that's what made the Rays so good offensively last year is that we didn't have a lot of black holes. We had guys at the top who can get on base. We had guys in the middle who can get on base and drive in the guys on top. And then we had the guys at the bottom of the order who can pop one out of the ballpark every once in a while to help out offensively. So, uh, you know, again, it's been a little bit of a tough go for the last few weeks where there have been, unfortunately, some black holes in this lineup. And uh, hopefully with some guys getting toasty and some guys coming back, we can start to uh, spread out the love 
within this Rays offense. I think what's most impressive for me, Neil, about him is that he seems comfortable wherever you put him. And uh, uh, I don't know how much range he has. We really haven't seen that range tested to this point, whether it's at second base or whatever, but he just seems smooth and calm at every position. And he's learning first base on the fly here, which is an mm-hmm. underrated position on how difficult it is. He seems comfortable over there, and that allows Yandi to stay at the position where he's more comfortable at third base instead of first. And it just seems like everything that you, you th- they've thrown at Isak Paredes, he's been very comfortable doing it. There's an aura he gives off, I think, of uh, I know exactly what I'm doing over here. Got about a minute. A uh, guy who it doesn't seem no matter what you throw at him, he's fine. Right guy on the mound today to get a sweep, right, Shane McClanahan? You would think so. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about it. You're facing a team, and Kevin will talk about this a little bit later on in the pregame show. He's facing a team that he doesn't really know much about, but obviously the Pittsburgh Pirates know even less about Shane McClanahan. And uh, Shane's just been outstanding. I-, I think it's been absolutely incredible. We were breaking down some of the starts of, uh, you know, Corey Kluber yesterday and saying of his 13-14 starts, what has he had, one or two stinkers, and that's been about it? I can't think of a stinker right now for Shane McClanahan. Mm-hmm. The only thing that happens to Shane, it seems like every game, there's either an inning or about a three or four batter stretch where he kind of uh, teeters just a little bit. And if you don't get him then, you're not going to get him. That's how good he has been, and I expect him to be really, really good here this afternoon. Well, let's hope he is. Guys, we appreciate some time, and have a great call today for the race and the Pirates, and hopefully a sweep to go into the off day. That would be nice. Once again, we're glad to help you do your gig, as always. (laughs) Dave and Andy joining us. Let's turn now to the minor league side. This week, Bowling Green became the first race affiliate to qualify for the postseason. And with me is their manager and Jeff Smith. Jeff, congratulations. Really appreciate it. Uh, Long long battle this first half. Uh, You know, kind of uh, went up there in the winter months. Now we're in the summer months already. But uh, pretty cool for the guys to go out and get that first half, really work hard to uh, accomplish a goal and, you know, and and already be qualified for that end of the postseason. What have you liked most about the way the team has played before we get into some individuals? You know, I I think as a whole is just to see them from beginning to end make some strides. And in particular, um, I've been doing this a long time. And I always always say if you have a starting rotation – where you feel like you can go out and win a game every single night, it's going to be a pretty good season. And, and we've kind of felt that way from the first game on. Our starters have been pretty much the key to this team and have given us a chance almost the entire season. And I can really see our, you know, the hitting side get, get better. And, and the big thing, too, is at the end, when you play for something that, that the guys realized they, they wanted to win that first half, they, they really came together and, and got it done. Since you began with uh, talking about the starting pitching, let's hit on a couple of those. First, Mason Montgomery. We have had him in the program earlier this spring, and he, I think in his in the clinching game, he struck out, what, 12 and in five innings. Yeah, yeah you know, um, I can't say enough good things about him. It, it was very interesting because I, 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 going into spring training, really did not know Mason at all coming out of the draft last year. I think a lot of us didn't, us managers and a lot of us in spring training. And all of a sudden we saw him pitch one time in spring training, and we're like, who is this guy? <laughs> it was just kind of, then he ended up being on my roster, you know, as a first-year player, our first-year draft, and very unique because he's a guy, his fastball, I mean, 92 to 95, tremendous carry on his fastball. You will see swing and misses all the time, and that will be at all levels. I mean, he'll, he is, it's a lot of swing and misses. Slider has really developed, and his changeup has come a long way. Three-pitch mix, and I think the uniqueness is the way he hides the ball, too. Very similar to some of those lefties we got in the big leagues out of the bullpen. But similar take back, guys do not pick it up, and he has a lot of success. Another guy who's had a lot of success who also is fairly new to the system is Logan Workman. No doubt. Uh, came up from Charleston where obviously he put up 
<laughs> pretty, pretty good numbers, uh, actually ridiculous numbers, and comes up here and we get him the first start out of a real, you know, it's one of those things right out of a real small school here in Tennessee. And next thing you know, he's going to start and he's another starter 90 in 95. He's touched 98 pitches around that 95, 96 mark fastball, slider, cutter, change, uh, four pitch mix uses that change up anytime. And when you watch this guy pitch, you, you have a good feeling on the mound is just the competitive competitiveness with that stuff. He likes to get after it. He likes to compete against the hitters. Look forward to both of these guys moving at a good pace through our system. And those were guys who were drafted last year, a guy who was drafted yeah. several years back, but has kind of battled injury. And now he's pitching well out of your bullpen is Joe LaSorsa. Yes, no doubt. And, and I think we're all just thrilled to death for Joe. He, you know, we had Joe last year in Bowling Green. And anytime you have a story, you know, he started the season with us, went back to Charleston. And to see what he's done, really clean up the arm action, has a, you know, as a left on left, left and right, is able to throw his slider changeup fastball anytime in the count. I mean, it's slider behind the count, very, very tough on left-hand hitters and works extremely fast. If you ever get a chance for people to see him pitch, it's let's get the ball and go, get the ball and go. So you feel pretty confident with him at the end of the games. And you've got a really good position player core too. Uh, mostly on the infield would be the yeah. prospects. So Slavis Basabe is a guy who came over from Texas in the Nathaniel Lowe trade. Uh, and yep. it seems like he's had a real good jumping off year. He has. And, and you know, and, and the, and the cool, pretty neat thing about that is it started a little slow for him at the beginning. The first few weeks were a little slow, and now it's just taken off. He has – what you're going to see out of Basabi, you're going to see a, a kid that plays all three infield positions. You're going to see him at short, third, second. can hit pretty much any in the, anywhere in the lineup. Really, really good bat-to-ball skills. He's not – he doesn't walk very much but you're going to see him level the ball all the time. I mean, he, he puts good swings on a lot of balls, a lot, doesn't strike out hardly at all, and uh, puts good hard contact on the ball, uses all fields. So he's one of those guys that you feel as he's moving up, um, the power numbers will get even more than they are, and you're going to start seeing him driving the ball to all fields too. Alika Williams also is a middle infielder who was drafted a couple seasons back. I know he put a lot of work in in the weight room. How has he grown this year? Right, right, and it's Alik is one of the one of the guys. You, you, no matter when you talk to him, you're going to start with his defense first up the middle. Uh, it just makes uh, it makes every routine play, and then makes the phenomenal ones too. I always try to compare him to a young JJ Hardy, just because I I knew JJ through the time where fields the ball and puts it in the first baseman's chest all the time. You know, the big thing with Alik, the, the bats coming too, is we just got to keep him healthy, and, and that's the big thing. He's missed. He's had two different stints where had had some injuries, and we just got to keep him going uh, healthy wise because when he's on the field. He makes everyone else better, and it's just one of those guys that just got to keep on getting the bats. You mentioned Basabe, a guy who got in a trade. The Rays also got a kid named Ronnie Simon in a deal, too, uh, in yeah. the offseason from Arizona, and I understand he's a pretty athletic kid. Yeah, no, no doubt. He, you know, I think any time you uh, mention Ronnie Simon around any coaches, players, anything, I think they smile first, and then they talk about him next just because you talk about a kid that brings energy to the ballpark uh, every day. You know, second baseman, third baseman, played short for the first time last night, but very, very dynamic, fast twitch kid. He can uh, he can hit the ball. It's, it's funny for his size. He can hit the ball almost as far as anybody uh, on the team, as hard as anybody, switch hitter, but he also can steal base as good as anybody. So he's, he's got a lot of different tools to beat you. And as as we keep moving forward, he's, he got a little taste of double A earlier this year when there were some injuries, then came back. And I think we made some good strides defensively playing all those three positions. And as we learn to cut down on some of the strikeouts, like he's starting to do right now this last month, you're going to see more and more success. 
Kyle Manzardo is a guy who I think, if I remember right, was a was a draft pick last year, and he yeah. had a, a short period where he was banged up this year. How has he yeah. come along now that he's back on the field? I'll tell you what, uh, you know, second-round pick from last year. You know, when you see Kyle play and you see Kyle hit, you don't know really what to expect when, when you first see him. And then when you get on the box, the flat-out hit, flat-out hits. He is a guy that his bat stays in the zone forever. The barrel, and that does not mean it's a slow bat. It just means when the barrel gets – from one side of the strike zone to the air, it stays in there. He has hit, I think he's got nine or ten home runs now. Hits balls hard from all here. Puts just quality, quality pro at bats every time. I mean, they're deep counts. A lot of two-twos, a lot of three-twos. But he, he's the one guy on the team you can really say he's got extreme uh, – he's got really good strike zone knowledge. He does not chase very much. And I think that, you know, any of us staff members, especially myself, um, came he's come a mile at first base. He has become a good defensive first baseman. So I think out of, out of all the guys that we just mentioned, in terms of progress, in terms of already progress in a, in a short season like we've had, we're thrilled to death with Kyle. And I, and I think we're going to see good things for him as we keep going forward. Exciting to hear. One thing I was also curious, Jeff, as experienced as you are as a manager and coach in the minors and majors, I'm curious your take on the level of high A this year, because yeah. with the consolidation of the minors, how different is it from, let's say, years past? Yeah, re- really good question. And it is definitely probably the biggest jump that I have seen. You know, usually I always say the biggest jump is going to be from high A to double A in, in all my years of doing this. And that's usually going to be always uh, this year, just talking to different uh, talking to scouts around different different teams, talking to everybody. It's definitely going to be from low A to high A this year. This league this year is that the pitching that we're seeing is probably the best I've seen in every year that I've done uh, in at this level. It is really a strong, strong lead. If something, if if a guy has success here, they're they're going to be okay. I think the what they what's happening now is you have like you said, we only have the four levels now at every every league. So you're seeing that first level. A lot of maybe high round high school kids drafted out of there. Some college kids that may you know that may not have a spot up here right away some of the better international players. And then right when it gets to here, all of a sudden you're getting the funnel gets a little closer to that double A and you're seeing a lot of high uh, drafted college kids, a lot of the better international players and then the best young players too. So I I would, I would venture to say this is the best pitching I've seen at this level and velocity and stuff. It's a really good test for our players. And I think this is a level that you're going to keep seeing very strong every year, as long as major league baseball has this setup with level. So it's almost become maybe not a double A level, but kind of a weeding yeah. out league. Yeah, yeah, I think it's per- perfectly put. I think I, I think I used to say, you know, where double A was the funnel and we weed them out there. I think you're going to see more and more because it's it, it just with four levels now. It's you just don't know how many kids are actually going to get to that six year free agent mark anymore, where where guys play six years and, and get there because now you know you get drafted. Let's say you start in Charleston. I mean, then you got six years, four levels. It's it's guys are are having are moving a little faster, I think, than before to that double A, triple A level. But you got to be pretty darn good to play there. Jeff, great stuff. Congrats again on making the postseason. We hope to talk to you again soon. Really appreciate. It. I, I appreciate the phone call, and uh, we, we look we're glad everybody's following us out. Really excited. And that's Jeff Smith. He is the manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Congratulations to a club that is 42-25 and 25 this year, and again, the first Rays affiliate, hopefully of many, to qualify for the postseason in 2022. Coming up, you'll hear from David Hess on his remarkable comeback from cancer and also a baseball operations profile with Mia Salvamini. This is This Week in Rays Baseball, and you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. 
Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and one of the really great stories in the race organization this week was David Hess pitching in AAA yet again. And David now joins us. David, thanks so much for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking some time for me, and uh, happy to be here. You know, we chatted with you in the midst of the lockout when you were coming back from your cancer, and to be back in a in a AAA game already this quickly, how much did it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, going through everything, that, that was one of my biggest questions and concerns is, am I going to be able to get back to where I was and to the level I was performing before? And so to get back here and just, you know, go through everything and, and just be able to do it, you know, it was something huge for me. Uh, it was, a, you know, a major milestone for me, uh, just in terms of getting back to kind of normal life. And I think it was, you know, really important to my family as well, just to, to kind of see, you know, how that didn't slow everything down. And, you know, I was able to kind of pick up where I left off. I saw on social media, your wife was there. Was it just your wife or were there others who were at the game in Jacksonville as well? It was just my wife. She drove down. Um, I met the team at home last week uh, for a couple of days and officially got activated on Sunday. And so she was there and uh, made the trip down here with me for a few days. What did that mean? Uh, and what is her support morally, physically, emotionally meant through all of this? It's honestly hard to just put it into words. I don't think it's something that you know I could have done on my own. And, and I think that it's definitely brought us closer together in a lot of ways. And I think just having her through it is, I mean, meant so much just because, I mean, one, having somebody just to help do things that I wasn't able to do. And then on the days where you're not feeling great, you know, just having somebody there to, to help you get through those times. And also just, you know, I hear people say this a lot when they have kids, but, uh, you know, you start to look at things in a different light because it's not just about you. Um, and so to have her with me and, and be able to be there for, uh, that outing the other night was was really important and really special to be able to have together. David, we're chatting with David Hess on this week in race baseball. You had gone through so much, and we saw you in spring training too, as you were beginning your buildup. Walk us through what the last several months were like. Let's say from the time that the Rays broke camp until this outing, and how patient the Rays were with your process. Yeah, I mean they've they've been great. I think you know from coming into camp and just being able to be a part of everything was uh, really exciting. And, you know, I was limited to what I could do. Uh, and like you said, when camp broke, that's kind of when things started to kind of pick up. And it started with, you know, just throwing bullpens and a progression. Uh, during camp, I was doing a long toss routine uh, to kind of try and build some arm strength and get myself back to a good place. And like I said, then it transferred into bullpens and progressed into live BPs. Uh, and then eventually into games um, where I was at for, you know, a handful of extended spring training games and the FCL. I mean, and it was just a steady progression. They made sure through the entire process that I knew there wasn't a rush. It was com completely up to how I felt and, and they were going to work with me uh, to the best of their ability. And they followed through on that. They made it very clear that, you know, they wanted uh, my well-being to come first. And I think there was a lot of excitement for me to get back here and hopefully at some point, you know, to help the team win in the big leagues. But, you know, just getting here, I think, uh, is a process in itself. And it, and it's a unique situation that, uh, you know, we were all just kind of feeling our way through. And they did a really great job just helping me progress at a good pace and not doing too much or too little. Where are you from, from that standpoint, from a physical standpoint? Because you go through cancer treatments, you go through chemo, you go through all of that and basically then you got to start 
getting physical activity before you even pick up a baseball. So how close are you to where you were before all this occurred? Yeah, I, I'm not quite back to 100%. I would say, you know, that that was a big thing that we were monitoring and I think we're still kind of keeping an eye on. I feel, you know, really good though physically. You know, I, I don't know from a from a velocity standpoint exactly where I'm at. I know that it was down a little bit from where it was last year, but physically I feel good and, and you know, pitching has a funny way or just baseball in general has a funny way of, uh, you know, kind of balancing things out because as my, you know, my velocity might have gone down a little bit, but I feel like my other stuff, uh, you know, my off-speed pitches have kind of taken a step forward. And so, you know, I'm able to do conditioning like normal, workouts like normal. And so f- from a physical standpoint and, and, you know, everything that comes with that, everything's in a really good place right now. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for that to be the case. Will you have to undergo any checks during the season or on any regular basis since, I mean, uh, let's remember it was what last fall they, they, they found a grapefruit sized tumor in your chest. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it, it's pretty wild, you know, as it went on, it kind of became more clear. It was, it was a lot bigger than we expected it was. And so I think it was even bigger than I realized at first. And so we are doing uh, regular checkups. Um, it's, I think I'm on a little bit more of a close monitored schedule. I think it's more like every two or two and a half months. Um, so I had to go back during spring training for a scan. And then also a couple of weeks ago when I was on my, you know, working my way back and I'll have to do another one next month. So there will be a couple of times that I go back and, and, you know, more than anything, that's to go in and just monitor the progress, make sure everything's going in a good direction and get blood work done to make sure that my body's recovering in ways, you know, that I can't see um, and maybe not even necessarily feel um, and just making sure everything's going well. But uh, so far, it's been all good news. And as far as I know, you know, I, I don't think any more treatment will have to happen as long as everything continues to progress the way it is. And, you know, it's, it's just taken it a a couple months at a time at this point, because uh, it's just hard to predict what's going to happen. But as of right now, everything's in a really good place. Fingers crossed. It keeps going that way. Who have you heard from since that first outing? I know you had told us that you had chatted with Trey Mancini right after you got the news that you had cancer. I mean, I I've heard from, a ton of people, honestly. And, and, you know, the support that people have had through this entire process has been really just, I mean, overwhelming in a good way, just to see, you know, how much something that, you know, isn't a great situation can bring people together and just unite people has really been cool to see. And and I've had a bunch of teammates, a bunch of friends uh, reach out and, you know, obviously a lot of guys uh, that I'm here with now, teammate wise, it was a really special moment to, you know, get to share with them. And, you know, a lot of those guys I've been with, you know, over the last year and a half. And so just to kind of be able to to experience that and, and, and like I said, to share that moment with them was really, really something special. Anything particular from the outside that meant a lot? You know, I, I've I've had a bunch of people. I, I feel like you know my off season workout partners have have really been great. They've checked in a bunch, like I said, a bunch of friends. I can't really pinpoint one in particular. It's just been such a, a steady stream of people. Uh, you know, just kind of rallying behind everything. And so, you know, I'm really thankful for 
for all the people that have been, you know, a part of everything and, and just been encouraging and uplifting through this and helps me get back here because, uh, you know, I feel like it, it might sound cliche, but truly, like, I think without all the support, I don't think that I could be, you know, back on a, on a mound and doing everything that I'm doing right now. I mean, <laughs> I think that it, it blows my mind and just, I think, as much as everybody else. To be beating cancer is probably uplifting for other people, too. Have you heard from people that you have touched and maybe people who are fighting cancer who look to you as some sort of inspiration right now? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, through social media, I've heard from some people and even, you know, I had uh, one of my host families that I had in the minor league said that they have somebody who just had a diagnosis very similar to mine and they told my story to them. And I think it gave them a little bit of uh, optimism through everything and you know, some of the people that I went through treatment with uh, and got to know, uh, you know, I've, I've heard from them. And, and just to kind of uh, hear stories like that, you know, it's really humbling um, in a lot of ways because, you know, I just felt like it was something that was kind of put in front of me. And, and to me, a lot of it was just, you know, you just got to keep going. You just got to push through it and find a way to deal with it. And on the good days, appreciate that. And on the bad days, just find a way to get to the next day. And so just to you know, be able to to hear stories about how that's actually impacting people. And, you know, just uh, to me, that's what this whole thing was was about. You know, I, obviously, I don't think anybody wants to go through this experience and, and have that diagnosis and, and go through the treatment programs. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just want it to serve as something that, that helps people you know, find a way to, to, to push through the difficult situations. And you are doing that. I know big picture health is first and foremost, but you touched on it. What would it mean if you were to get back to the big leagues at some point? You know, that, that's something like I've, you know, I've, I've literally dreamed about um, through this process, just, you know, hoping that would be the case. And to me, that would be a major, major victory not just for myself, but like I said, the people that, you know, hopefully this is, is inspiring through it. I think that coming in and I think that coming into uh, being back in Durham, I think this is the most free I've felt just in terms of baseball related stuff where, you know, it just seems like this is a bonus at this point. You know, I get to go out and I get to compete and I get to do something that I love six, seven months ago. Uh, you know, not only was I fighting through difficult circumstances that, you know, at the beginning of the off season, I was quite literally fighting for my life. And so just to kind of, to see how everything's progressed and, and to get to that ultimate goal of getting back to the big leagues, I think that would be, you know, a really emotional time. And that would be something that would be a major, major victory. We're all rooting for that major victory, David. We certainly appreciate your time, uh, continued health and success. And thanks for being with us on this week in race baseball. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that is David has certainly a very easy guy to root for this season and now with AAA Durham. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Now it's time for our latest Rays Baseball Operations feature, highlighting the work today of Mia Salvamini, strength and conditioning coach for the Charleston River Dogs. My intro to baseball started during college. I went to the University of Tampa, and while I was there, I did an internship over the summer, my sophomore year at Cressy Sports Performance, and so that was my intro into the baseball world. It was during the collegiate baseball summer league, so there was hundreds of college baseball players there coming in and out of the gym and some big league guys. And it was, that's where I fell in love with baseball. After that, I went back to school and I interned with University of Tampa's strength and conditioning department, specifically with their baseball program. And ever since then, it's just been every internship that I've done, whether it was in Tampa or elsewhere, was just baseball tailored. So before you got to the University of Tampa, though, you had to have some introduction into sports, maybe not baseball. So where mm-hmm. were your passions before that? What sports did you play? And how did you get into the strength and conditioning side of life? I had played many different sports growing up. I kind of tried everything. I did gymnastics for a while. I did basketball. My two main in high school were basketball and tennis. But honestly, I wasn't very good at either of them. So... <laughs> I started doing CrossFit when I was 14 and I'm 23 now. So I've been doing that ever since. And that's kind of been my sport. So I've done that competitively. And that's kind of where I got interested in exercise and exercise science was my intro into the CrossFit world. So that was kind of what sparked my interest in working in sports. What has been working with the Rays been like and how did you eventually get connected to Tampa Bay? Obviously, you were somewhat local since you worked at the Mm -hmm. University of Tampa. I actually interviewed for a performance science internship right before the COVID year. And Joe Myers connected me with strength and conditioning. So he thought that would be a better fit for me. And they actually didn't have a position posted at the time for strength and conditioning. And so it just worked out really well. I spoke with the major league strength coach, Truncao, and then I spoke with um, the minor league coordinator at the time. And I started pre-COVID. I was there for two weeks before everything shut down. (laughs) And then I was let go and rehired last year for the full season. I was with the the FCL at the complex. And now this year I'm here in Charleston. I grew up in a single, which it was just me and my mom growing up. So she was pretty much my biggest influence. She's helped me navigate to where I am today and we're very close. And so leaning on that relationship, I know like with baseball, like we're away a lot. And so it's nice to have that support and that person that I can call for advice and things, you know, throughout this season. Does that relationship help you being in, let's say you were raised in a single parent home? I'm sure there are some who can relate to you who are minor league players. Does that help in trying to build rapport and confidence and um, help them grow as well? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, any way that you can connect with the players, like it's important that they know that you're human too. And that, you know, and building trust with them and establishing that foundation before I go say, oh, run 80 yards. So, (laughs) 
So tell me what you enjoy most about what you do now that you're getting to do it in person without the challenges or with the challenges still of COVID, but maybe less so than they were when you started. Yeah, I love it. I love traveling with the team. I love programming for the guys and seeing them improve in different areas and how I can help them do that. And all the diversity here with players coming from Latin America and just being able to work on my Spanish and just, you know, being there for them and helping them get to the next level. So are you fluently bilingual or kind of approaching that? I took Spanish all throughout school, like starting in kindergarten even, and I took it advanced in college, but I have not learned more than I've learned while I've been at the Rays, like working in this setting. Like I would say that I'm I'm pretty close to being fluent. I'm conversational. I can get my point across, but it's really, it's like remarkable how fast I learn just being around, being surrounded by it. From a, a baseball standpoint, as someone who spent as many years as you did in the CrossFit area, how different mm-hmm. are they in terms of the training and what types of things do you have to keep in mind when you're going through a five-month, six-month season? It's really different. Like I never use my CrossFit experience really to coach because it's just two different worlds. Like most strength coaches hate on CrossFit because it's, you know, the risk of injury is very high. And with these guys, it's just basically injury prevention work at this point. Like in season, we're doing all we can to mitigate injury. They're required to lift two days a week. And that can be a lot for them sometimes because of the volume that they're playing and, you know, running in the game and all that stuff. So we have to make sure if, you know, basing off of fatigue, whether or not like their lift will be more mobility focused or um, power focused. And has this become kind of your your dream type job now that you've kind of experienced? Because it doesn't sound like, you know, I would think, well, I don't know where you actually grew up, but baseball wasn't a big part of your upbringing. No, it wasn't. I'm from Connecticut, but it hasn't been a big part of my upbringing. And so I was kind of just thrown into this world and I love it. I couldn't ask for anything better. My goal is to, you know, make it to the big leagues one day and just keep working my way up. Definitely a dream job. And what are the things, Mia, that you think make a good strength and conditioning coach? And what are you learning as as you go through the process? I think being able to communicate is huge, just with whether that's with the field coaches, the athletic trainer, like working in collaboration and being able to lean on those people, like, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're a team. So if one of my field coaches is like, oh, this guy needs more like separation in his hitting, I'll tailor the workouts to that for him. And so just making sure everybody's like on the same page with things. Like if a guy is at risk for injury, like speaking with the athletic trainer, making sure that there's things that he's doing that I'm not overlapping in the gym or and vice versa. So that I think is huge. Establishing trust with the players. Sounds like you have to be pretty detail oriented and organized too. Yeah, definitely. You always have to have a plan. You always have to know your schedule. Things change like um, all the time around here. So being prepared and being able to adapt to those changes is huge. Thanks to Mia Salvamini and all of our guests on the program today, including Ray's relief pitcher Matt Whistler, Dave and Andy for joining us before calling the game today, Jeff Smith, manager for the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and also pitcher David Hess as he works his way back from cancer. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me and you can do so at Neil Solons. Hey, support your favorite Rays players. Help send them to Los Angeles this summer for the All-Star Game. All you have to do is go to RaysBaseball.com 
slash vote. Next week, Shane Boz and much, much more. Thanks to my producer today, Derek Dubose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. This is the Race Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.